0: Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Sunday, December the 5th, 2021. This is episode number 127. I am your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Going good, Rod.
1: I think I'm just about recovered from that trip to Baltimore a week ago.
0: Just about, huh? Just about. <laughs> You know, it, it was a great trip, and I think now is as good a time as any to, to give a shout-out to Jeremy Bonham. Um, at 14, Bonham, uh, Jeremy was a, just a great host, uh, showed us a great time in Baltimore. You know that the outcome of the game wasn't what we wanted, but, you know, just had a great time hanging out with Jeremy and, and uh, you know, having dinner with him and then uh, going to the game and just um, – I mean, it was just a great time.
1: He was a fabulous host
0: absolutely absolutely so it was a great trip despite the outcome but uh you know certainly look forward to hanging out with jeremy um sometime in the not too distant future once again on so, our turf that's right that's right so uh we're gonna talk some brown stuff today and um joining us uh, is our guest peter jones uh, peter how are you
2: doing good rod yeah um, pleased to pleased to join you guys, and I think it's always good when there's a when there's bye week on to just take stock of where we are and see what's coming up in the next five or six weeks. Yeah, I thought that's kind of what we would do today. So, um, and I, can I just can I just add, as you've just sure. spoken about G- Jeremy, I want to say my thanks to Jeremy as well. He's always been very supportive of me on Twitter. It's been a lot of help and has given you know sent lots of supportive messages and stuff so it's great that you guys got to meet up with him and, and all of that but i would send my thanks to him as well
0: yeah he's uh just a great guy great to, great to have in our circle definitely so uh definitely a pleasure um knowing jeremy and you as well peter so um you. hey everybody if 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 you're not following Peter, you should be and you can follow him at the underscore it underscore hedgehog on Twitter. Um, Peter is a Packers fan, but uh, he's also uh, just a, a wonderful person and a football historian that just puts out a lot of great content. So uh, so you should definitely be following him on Twitter. So um, thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's let's. Let's. Uh, you know, I really don't want to go back to the Baltimore game a heck of a lot. It was, you know, it was, it was another ugly game. Um, you know, I think everybody saw the stats about um, how unlikely it was that Baltimore could win that game. Um, <laughs> That's you know, the understatement but, of the day. <laughs> yeah, you know. What, it, it, was it, it and, and
1: 142 or something like that, Peter? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But... Um, you know, so I guess just, uh, you know, I, th- I think we know a lot of where the Browns are, and, and the fact is the the defense has been, especially as of late, has been playing fairly well, and, and the offense hasn't been holding up their part. So the Browns find themselves finally to this buy that we've been looking toward for a long time. Um, and it's kind of interesting, uh, Jeff, because the Browns have had – a lot of injuries it seems and I'm not going to compare them to any other team because every team has injuries but they've had a lot of injuries yet we went into that Baltimore game and they were pretty healthy you know yeah. and yeah. some some guys got hurt in that game but uh, they were actually pretty healthy with the game before the bye week finally it's kind of so it kind of worked out pretty strange so uh, you hope that this bye week if anything is going to be a help to, to Baker and then just anybody else who's nursing the injuries. But um, over and above that, you hope that they can figure some things out, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So um, let's take stock, first of all, of where the Browns stand record-wise and kind of what the rest of the season is should or could mean to the Browns and I'm just going to look at this going into today's play because I know there are games going on right now Um, you know the Bengals are playing right now and I think uh, uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore play at um, they play at what 430 today I believe so um, you know Baltimore sitting at eight and three Um, man they've had some games that they've been pretty lucky to win um, mm-hmm. you know, I, you, you don't want to take anything away from a team that's winning games like that because, oh, well, you know, it's just, it's great coaching, right? And, <laughs> and they have a great staff, you know, they do. Um, but yeah, they've, they've had some games. They've been pretty lucky to win. Um, they could have gone either way. And then the Bengals are seven and four and um, Browns are six and six and Pittsburgh's five, five and one. So the Browns find themselves essentially, you know, two games out of the lead in the win column. Um, you know, uh, two games out, out uh, from Baltimore, one game behind Cincinnati and, and, and wins. And then I was looking at the AFC um, and uh, out of the 16 teams, six teams have have more than six wins at this point. Five teams have six wins and five teams have less than six wins. And, you know, I, I guess if you're looking at playoffs, um you know the browns are right there on the kind of on the on cusp the on the cusp <laughs> yeah. with yeah. a lot of <laughs> other teams. cut
1: on the cusp of mediocrity <laughs> they are absolutely
0: <laughs> so then you're kind of trying to figure out um you know we talked on the last show jeff how many games do they have to win to get in and you know and i think our answer was was that we thought 10 games would, would get them into the playoffs and right. so i guess you know do we still think 10 games gets them in if they went four out of their last five early in the playoffs. Um, mm, yeah. So, you know, hard to that's say, one,
1: hard to say, because um, there's so know, think, many
0: teams that are close, but right, yeah. Right.
1: Um, you know, we, we have the advantage of a lot of division games still. Um, and, you know, if we can take care of business in, in our division somehow um, you know, that, that will help. But um, yeah, it's really going to boil down to, to tiebreakers, I think. And, you know, where we, where we end up in the pecking order going into the playoffs. But, you know, honestly, before we can think about – I mean, I'm going to sound like Jim Moore a little bit, but, you know, talk about playoffs <laughs> right now. Well, um, cool you know, first of all, we got to get our house in order, you know. And, and no, I absolutely. think the the glaring thing for me, um, just not to, to rehash the the Ravens game, but, you know, we have them coming up again um, next Sunday.
2: Um,
1: yeah. The difference in the two teams, you know, and, and is that – Um, you know, Lamar had a terrible day, um, gave the ball away every, you know, ever at every, uh, chance he had, he was, he was turning the ball over four interceptions. Um, you know, our, our defense created a lot of opportunities for us, but he and Mark Andrews have that miracle connection and Mm -hmm. you saw, you saw two plays um one was a, a long gainer and the other uh where um Ronnie Harrison just kind of lost track of him and uh you know grabbed him and ended up he ended up catching that ball anyway
3: uh, yeah. And
1: and the other one was the touchdown where you know virtually our entire defensive line was closing in on Lamar and he somehow managed off you know off balance to throw a ball 30 yards to Anders in the end zone and and we've, you know, we forgot that he was there. So he was wide you know, open. Yeah. Those yeah. those two miraculous plays um really are, are the difference between, you know, I think where the Browns are right now and where the Ravens are. You know, the Ravens sort of have this winning pedigree. You know, just you can kind of feel it walking around their stadium, you know, that that the fans just they they feel entitled to win, you know, that that they expect to win and the organization expects to find a way to win. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you know, those two kinds of plays that, that, that get you there um, are really the margin of victory in the NFL on a week-to-week basis. You know? and, yeah. and they, they yeah. have that combination, and, and we don't.
2: Yeah, and I, th- I think that's a great point. I think that program franchises, teams that have, that have won – over the you know the last X number of years, find a way to win don't worry, when they're playing badly, and 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 a lot of that is because they believe that they're going to win. Right. So, so 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 even if the quarterback's thrown multiple interceptions, four interceptions in this case, um, but you know, and they come out for that last drive, they believe still that they're going to drive the ball down the field and win. It's not a hope we're going to do it. It's we really believe it's going to happen, and that's mm-hmm. and that's the fine margins between playoff teams or even Super Bowl teams and those teams that finish eight and eight no old money so eight and nine this year maybe
0: yeah so so Peter let's go a little deeper on that and where does that belief come from because I think you know I, I could see that kind of come from different places you know it, does that come from winning playoff games and getting to a certain level does it, does it come from having an established coach? Does it come from having a, a quarterback that you believe in? Um, you know, I really felt like most of the fans in the stands, they, they were all, you know, we, we were in Baltimore. So um, a lot of the fans in the stands, they just kept, they're yelling, come on Lamar. You know, it, it's not, let's go team. They, they're, yeah. they're waiting for Lamar to do something. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's interesting. I didn't hear one boo
1: of Lamar even after four interceptions i did not hear one boo like, to your point it was let's go lamar let's get it done
0: yeah there wasn't there wasn't oh my god lamar what in the world are you doing when you threw that interception you know right. i mean there might have been a little bit of muttering to yourself but the fans yeah they they stood by him just like jeff sand through the whole game they're and they're waiting for him to do something positive
2: well i, I think i think it comes from all of those things that you have described rod and I, and, I, and i think that those things are not independent of each other,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, but but I do believe that stability and getting the right people in. So so this is why you know you can you can sign high priced free agents, but if they don't come into the team with the right attitude, doesn't necessarily mean that there'll be a success in the new place and the team will be a success. And I think that's why we see lots of these high priced free agents somehow not be as successful as the the team that they moved to as they were previously because they're not coming necessarily with a winning attitude that starts to lift the players around them. I think stability is hugely important so I think that in the case of the Browns having an excellent season last year and being you know literally perhaps even a play away from going further you know, you start to hear some rumblings this year when things haven't gone quite as good. You have to stand firm. Right? If you believe, as the Browns did last year, and as I'm sure 95% of the fans did last, Kevin Stefanski is the man, stop the talk this year about about well, so let that start to question this play call and that play call and stand behind him. Because every play caller makes mistakes. And we're all great play callers sitting on our couch and in hindsight, Mm-hmm. You know, there isn't a play caller, who, whoever he is, you know, whether it's Vince Lombardi or Nick Saban or who, whoever it is that doesn't make a mistake calling plays. And it's easy to pick out individual plays and say, well, he shouldn't have gone for it on fourth down or he should have gone for it on fourth down. It's a learning process as well for 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 all of these guys. I, and I'm a great believer that, that winning begets winning. And, mm. you know, I think that you know even if the browns don't make the playoffs this year and that's who knows how this is going to turn out it's not the time to have lots of post-mortems. yes you know move on from whichever players are the, are the ones that you want to replace fine but but don't have multiple postmortems about the coaching did this or whatever because they're learning too yeah. um and i just don't think that teams that continually change the quarterback change the coach change this change that ultimately they're not they're not successful um so i think you have to have stability and you have to trust in the decision making that was made a year ago when you chose these players and these coaches that they're the guys for the next two three four five six years
0: yeah and you know and and uh... The re- part of the reason I went over the the records first was that uh, you know teams are constantly playing for multiple reasons. You know, uh, I mean, um, they're they're working toward different things with each game. You know, they're, they're obviously playing for this season. <laughs> um, the players, coaches, and the GM they're also, they're also playing for their job, and and hopefully they're they're playing for the future. You know. Toward building for something down the line. So, you know, in looking at those records and trying to decide the likelihood of the Browns maybe making the playoffs or not, is kind of my way of saying where do we think this team is and where do we believe the focus will wind up being down the stretch. Um, I understand that that first of all you have to fix the stuff. Um, <laughs> That that's obviously wrong, especially on offense. But um, just kind of uh, interesting to try to figure out what the focus will be, um, and what you were saying, Peter. It it, it just um, it takes me to a note I made a little for a little bit further on, But um, I think Browns fans and probably a lot of fans kind of expect growth to be linear, and. While the growth may be linear, it may not be reflected
2: in the record in that fashion. Absolutely right. And you'll excuse me for a moment putting a a Packers hat on. But being a Packers fan back in 1992 was probably similar to being a Browns fan in, in recent years. You know, they hadn't won for a number of years and didn't quite know where the team was going. That was when Brett Favre came in and Mike Holmgren and that. And then Reggie White came the next year. But the Packers' record in '92 was nine and seven. In '93 it was nine and seven. In '94 it was nine and seven. So, you know, the Packers then went eleven and five, 13 and three Super Bowl. Um, and so I think you have to understand that, as you've just described, Rod, it's not always a linear growth in terms of record.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, there are people in Green Bay. In, you know, in that third year of Holmgren, when they were heading for nine and seven again, that was saying, well, I'm not sure that that he's the guy. You know, is Brett Favre really the guy? You know, because yeah, they feel and, like nothing's happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that when you have a period of. Um, so, de- you know, a down period, a down decade before that, I think it makes it even harder because because you thinking, well, this is just going to end up back where we were. You know, nine and seven suddenly becomes seven and nine becomes five and 11. And we're back and we're back where we were kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I think it's I think, yeah, yeah, again, sorry to talk about the Packers, but it's just a great example, I think, of how, you know, the Packers franchise was turned around for the last 30 years. But for those first three years, nobody was sure that it was turning around. You know, it was slightly better, but it wasn't suddenly, you know, a Super Bowl team. Yeah, and it, it takes time.
0: I think the Colts went through some similar numbers as Peyton Manning uh, came in, yes. and, you yep. know they got better and then they took a step back before they, you know went forward again. And this is not to just to throw out an excuse for the Browns, you know, because you still have to evaluate personnel and make changes and move yep. forward. Yep. And this is to say that just because the record isn't what you think it is, doesn't mean that there's you know it it doesn't tell you that there's nothing positive going on with the team.
2: Yeah, just, and, you know and and it may be sorry sorry Jeff just quickly sorry. and it it, it it may be that you're only one or two players away and it doesn't <laughs> feel like that. I'm sure it doesn't feel like that but you never know whether the one or two players make the difference that starts to lift the others around them. You know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, if you have a wide receiver that's double teamed, then the number two wide receiver, your number three wide receiver is is open and starts catching balls that previously they weren't open for and, 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 and things like that. It doesn't take a lot. Yeah. Well,
1: maybe all it takes is just some patience and stability. I was just going to point out that, you know, when you look at who the division leaders are right now um, in the AFC, it's the Patriots. The Ravens, the Titans, and the Chiefs, four of the most stable franchises yep. in the conference. Yep. Um, yep. We know who the head coaches are. We know what their record is. We we know what they've been able to accomplish in recent history. Um, and, and they find a way to be successful year in and year out. And as you scan down the rest of the standings, you look at teams that have constant turnover. Um, And I think the same is really the case in the NFC. You know, the the Cowboys, the Packers, Packers, the Buccaneers, and the Cardinals. The Cardinals kind of being the Johnny-come-latelys in that equation. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, those are all um, very stable organizations. And, you know, that I think that's the hurdle that we haven't gotten over. You know, Um, if you look at player to player to player, I think we match up and that, that was sort of the consensus going into this season was you know we had a great roster and plenty of talent but what we just don't have is that cohesion that continuity yeah. that that buy-in across the organization and i just don't think there's any substitute for time for that to happen
0: yeah yeah i, I agree with you definitely 100% agree yeah. so just one step yeah.
1: further you know i think when we talked going into this season you know, uh, I'd have to go back and listen to you know, podcasts from you know back in July and August, but um, you know we talked about expectations for this year. Um, you know, we, I think we recognized that there was a good chance that we could be uh, a playoff team. There's also a good chance that we could have a you know a reset year just to you know kind of get our lumps a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean th- this is the NFL um you know, people have to remember that you know the idea that um that pretty much any sunday anything can happen it's it's, it's still a fact no matter how good you are so um you know it, good teams have have years like this um like the browns are having right now um, and, and it is probably less likely when you have stability in the organization and when your head coach has been around for a long time, and when you have a quarterback who's in his seventh or eighth year, but, um, you know, or, or beyond, but, um, it, it still happens, still happens. Nice. So, um, so let's talk about adjustments and I, I'm going to focus on offense, uh, just on a few things to get some thoughts from you guys. Um. There's been a lot of talk from what I've seen just on Twitter and, and, uh, and some articles and stuff about um, personnel. and heard, I think we heard some of this on the radio after the game too, Jeff, um, how much the Browns run uh, you know, 13 personnel um, you know with, with one back and three tight ends, and how they're far and away, you know use this the most in the NFL. Uh is this, is this good or is this bad? Um, should they run it less or should they, should they just, um, be smarter about the plays they run out of it? You know, is this the best personnel they have to put out there or should they be doing, you know, should they do something else? Um, you know, um, should they focus on, on something else or should they just be mixing up their personnel groupings more often? um, I, I guess I'll just leave it at that and let's, I'll let you start with that, Jeff.
1: Well, I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch because um, Harrison Bryant went out with a high ankle sprain, um, I think in the second quarter. And yeah, it really yeah. seemed to mm-hmm. me like that had a profound impact on the, the game plan and on the play calling. Because now yeah. we were down to two tight ends. Um, so, you know, Will he be back or when will he be back? And how will that impact the usage of, of that package? Um, personally, I, you know, I don't think it's a matter of what plays they call. I think it's a matter of executing the play. And unfortunately, for a variety of reasons, guys just aren't executing. Um, I think we had several drops again in the Baltimore game. Um, we had guys not being crisp on their routes. Um, it just, it seems to me like it's, it's more of a lack of this being a well-oiled machine. And and we really didn't suspect this coming into year two with Stefanski. We, we kind of thought, you know, the offense, we knew what we had based on the end of last year and it's just really struggled. Um, so, you know, does does that package limit us, or are we limited to that package by, you know, who we have on the field and, and where our strengths are? Um, you know, uh, we were down to Jarvis Landry and Donovan Peebles-Jones as our two established wide receivers. Um, for some reason, Higgins was inactive and Schwartz was um, still in concussion protocol. So, Mm-hmm. You know, what would you do as an alternative? I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, how we could structure the offense differently um, based on the, the guys that we have available. You know, um, I don't think the Browns are ever going to be a vertical passing offense. You know, that's, that's not what Stefanski believes in. Um, so we, we need tight ends that are catching the ball, you know. Um, we need backs who are running crisp routes um to be able to be effective and and to see that pace with our offense otherwise the offense just it really stagnates and it struggles
0: yeah and I I I think one alternative is more two back sets but I've been talking about that for a long time and I just I don't think Stefanski likes that you know the Browns have some very talented backs and you know and I'm not just talking about running the ball out of those sets um but you know play action and and you know, with the option to throw to a back or throw to a tight end, or you know, or throw to the, to the receiver that's out there, um, we just don't see that very often. If we see two backs, one of them's usually a fullback out there.
1: Yeah, I think I think when we do see those kinds of plays called, um, our protection tends to break down, and our quarterback ends up on his back um, before we have a chance to get the ball to the back. Um, so that I don't know with with teams Thanks. stacking the box against us, um, I don't know. I, I just think the the I think the pace needs to be quicker. The ball needs to come out faster. Um, and you know, I don't think it really matters what set we do that from. Um, it's just a
0: it's a timing
1: issue right now.
0: So Peter, let's let's get your thought uh, your thoughts on this. But let me let me add one additional thing, and that's. Um there have been there have been questions about the play calling and should Stefanski pass off the play calling? You know anytime a team doesn't win all of their games, you know people want something to change. so so uh, that's one thing that people have talked about is, you know the play calling was great last year when the Browns won, but now now it's a problem. So um, I want to know, you know the just the comparison of of getting playmakers
2: involved versus the actual play calling yeah I, I think there's a few th- yeah uh, sorry i think there's i think there's a few things here i think I, I think first of all i think it's important that i mean i agree with jeff about about three step drops getting the ball out quickly getting the offense in rhythm and if that means as you've described rod you know swing passes to the backs so be it you know 5 yards here 6 yards there 10 yards there 5 yards there just to get the offense in 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 rhythm and let's face it certainly from the outside looking in I'm not as close to it as obviously you guys are but 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 the browns playmakers on offense are Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt um and you want to get the ball in those guys hands as as much as possible and i know there's been a few injuries here and there but yeah. If you were if you were an opposing defense looking at at the Browns offense, the wide sure. receivers the wide receivers don't worry you, do they? I oh. I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not thinking about at this stage in his career I'm not thinking about double covering Jarvis Landry, am I? No, no, he, yeah, he has good yeah. games, but yeah, but yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and it's not to knock them, it's just saying actually there isn't a guy that really scares you. As an, as, an, an, as an opposing defense. And that's why I think that where you do have skilled guys, and I know they're your backs, but you can split those guys out as well. You know, split Kareem Hunt out. Um, I think you have to get the ball in, in the hands of those guys. And I, and I 100%, 110% agree with what Jeff said. I think, I think you have to get it out there quickly. So, so that, you know, we don't mm-hmm. want many five-step drops, never mind about seven-step drops. One, two, three, get it out of there. And I think that's what gets the team back, back in rhythm. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be a 25-yard pass down the field. It could be a 7-yard pass here, 11-yard pass to a tight end there, pass out out in the flat to, to Chubb, who makes a couple of guys miss, and it's a 7, 8, 9-yard gain. Mm-hmm. And I think that in itself in the passing game then, then enables you again to open up what, what is obviously the strength of the Browns' offense, which is the, which is the running game. Um, And my only concern about the play calling, and I I understand situations. You can look at stats after games, and they don't necessarily tell the story of the situation, the game situation at the time. But I think coming away from that Baltimore game where Chubb and Hunt only had like 15 carries between them in a a game that was that close, that's not enough for for me, anyway. Mm. Um, Yeah. You're talking, Sorry, you're talking about the play call. So, so, so I think I've seen this as well, calls for Alex Van Pelt to start calling the plays. I think I've <laughs> seen on, on Twitter. Now, that's all well and good, but I agree with your point, Rod, that last year Stefanski was good enough calling the plays. And Stefanski has many years' experience calling the plays. And, and yes, he's not going to get them all right. He's learning. He's got a lot more stuff going on in his head now than when he was an offensive coordinator. But my question would be, tell me how many times Alex Van Pelt has been a play caller in the NFL? Not I many. Think I think your answer none, probably. I think he called one
0: game for the right. Browns, and I think he did fine. But but yeah, yeah. it's still an experience thing. So, so, um, so I think
2: I think yeah, I think even if that was a route that Stefanski or the, or the Browns. You know, would think about going down. I don't think it's time now. You know, yes, they've got a bye week, but let's face it, the season season's going on. I think that's something that you talk about in the off season and make a decision on that then.
0: Yeah, so um, so Jeff, let's t- let's talk about penalties because I know you like talking penalties. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I I tweeted after going to to the Baltimore game that. I, I truly believe that every fan base believes that, that they pretty much get the short end of the stick on penalties. Okay. The, so. Packers, do, the Packers do, Rod. Absolutely. <laughs> I believe you, Peter. I believe it. And the Ravens fans believe the same thing. Um, there wasn't, I don't think there was a single Ravens fan in the stance who thought that David and Joku, you know, actually caught that ball, even though no. the officials watched it a hundred times and decided that he did. So, right. you know, um, but the, the fans knew better, and they felt that they really got the short end of the stick there, um, and they were saying a lot of bad words. Um, that's pretty much all <laughs> I want to say. So, I, I think really all I want to say here, as far as the penalties, are uh, the Browns have, they've had a lot of them this season. Um, I don't even know that they've, you know, that the number's really gone up and down all that much week to week. It's been it's been pretty incredible. Pretty consistently bad uh, week to week here. Um, how do how how do you think the Browns can can fix a discipline issue like that at the bye? You know, after playing you know after playing twelve weeks where where they just haven't been very good with penalties. Um, what do you think, Jeff? You think that that's something they can really make an improvement on over a bye week?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I thought the last game was a little bit of an improvement. Um, the Browns only had five penalties in that game, and and um, the last couple of weeks it seemed like some calls were starting to go our way. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know if that's a if that's a coaching issue or if it's just again players not being comfortable with their roles and guys just getting outside of the flow of the game. Sometimes, you know, I think that we had trouble getting a personnel on the field, you know, where we were out there with 12 men a couple of times in a row, Um, I think. yeah, Yeah. I mean, even after a timeout, you know, and, and, and I don't know if that, if that's just, Incorporating guys in from injured reserve who maybe haven't, you know, been practicing or, or what's going on. But um, again, I, I just I think it goes back to consistency and mm-hmm. personnel being comfortable in their roles. And I just I don't think the Browns have gotten there yet. I think they came into this season with huge expectations and everybody's trying to live up to those expectations individually and that has hurt what they've been able to do as a team
0: yeah yeah um, peter peter how what do you see as a time frame or or uh, the ability of a team to learn discipline what's your experience with that
2: I think it I think it takes time, and I, I I also think that there's a lot of factors that go into it. I mean, injuries is absolutely a factor mm. because because you know then then you know your fiftieth, fifty first, fifty second, fifty third guy on the roster are potentially guys that come from a practice squad or off the street to cover those to cover those injuries. They've not been through training camp, you know they've arrived potentially at the team the week before if they've been signed as a street free agent. And, and all of a sudden, you get these twelve players on the on the field penalties because they're not sure whether they're meant to be, you know, you know, out on the field or or, or not. And those mm-hmm. and those things happen. It's always a difficult one, this the, the penalties thing because it appears. And I, and I you know, I was flippant about the Packers stuff earlier because actually, <laughs> I think I think I think it's actually reversed because I. It appears, doesn't it always, that the better team seems to come out the better end of penalties. Right. And Usually, I, yeah, yeah. And I wonder how much of that is simply because they are are the better team and therefore they're not, you know, making as many um, penalties. How much it comes from influence from the head coach. And again, you know, when a coach is in his first year, as compared to a guy that's in his tenth year. Do officials, not obviously not deliberately, but unknowingly, you know, where it's fifty-fifty call, cool, err on the side of a team that's got a ten-year coach. I don't know. I, I think every team kind of, every fan kind of asks that, asked that question, and I, and I, I don't know. You know, I, th- I think, in my view, I think the officials are as straight as they come. I think they call what they see, right. But they yeah. make mistakes like, like, like we all do. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a long way of answering Rod to, to really say I, I don't know what the what the you know what the real issue is there. Um, but injuries absolutely are a factor. Yeah, and you know, I, I always I always
0: wanted to believe that the better teams got the call and, and then we looked at this graphic a few weeks ago and and, and I saw that the that the Cincinnati Bengals were at, at the top of the list as far as, you know, the, the least penalties. And and I'm not saying they're a bad team now, but they they are not a team who who has been good for a number of years. And and the Browns were near the bottom and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were near the bottom. I thought well this this really doesn't show me anything any kind of a trend so you know i, I guess yeah, we just kind of have to say that things just kind of happen
2: yeah and i and i think that uh, you know i i like i say i absolutely believe that the the officials are as straight as they come but but yeah. they're but they're but they're human like 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 yeah like like all of us and um yeah i mean i mean that's it, really. I, I just, I, I'm not sure that there's a particular key to it. And like I said before, I think we do ask ourselves the question: a tenth-year coach versus a rookie coach. But you know, with the numbers you've just described, that's not borne out by Zach Taylor at, at, at Cincinnati. You know, not this,
0: not rel- anyway. Maybe, maybe over a number of seasons, maybe it holds true.
2: I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, does, do the do the home team get get more calls than the than the than, and roads I I, I I really
0: yeah. just don't know That's hard to say um jeff you and i were talking about you know if if the browns could only score one more touchdown you know it just if they could simply add seven more points per game right. you know, how much better their chances of winning more games would be because of the way the defense has been playing and uh, like it or not guys uh, joe woods is doing a Pretty good job with this group of guys now. Um that's just how it is, okay? So if the Browns could put up an additional touchdown a game, they would be in or winning more games. Okay. I don't know if I don't know if that gives them a chance to win every game from here on out or not, but it certainly gives them a better chance with the way the defense is playing. So the question is this what's what's the What's the easiest or the best way for them to put up that extra touchdown? What do you think, Jeff?
1: Wow. You know, last week, we, um, by all rights, should have scored on our first possession. Um, There was a drop by DPJ at the 10. And we ended up going for a long field goal, which we missed. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's those those little things that's keeping this offense from scoring more. Um,
0: the drops and you know, the penalties, things like that. Yeah,
1: just just those those little errors um, that that sort of compound as the game goes along. Um, you know, I mean. We were in that game right up until the very end, um, yeah, yeah. but but couldn't find a way to make a big play. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I saw something um, that Kurt Warner put out this week about, you know, talking about um, – how Baker gets blamed for things that he shouldn't get blamed for and so forth. Um, and I think overall, the last couple of games, he's done a pretty good job considering the injuries of um, you know, keeping us in the game, um, giving us an opportunity to, to complete a play. And I think the sort of the supporting cast on offense has let him down. Um, but I think there are also some things that that he needs to be working on, and one of the things that that Kurt Warner pointed out was with his footing, or with his his foot placement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on a three-step drop, going back to what Peter was talking about earlier, um, he's talking about how, you know, your first step is with your right foot, then your left, and then your right, so that your right is back, you're planted, you're ready to throw the ball quickly. And he pointed out that Baker on that particular play, led with his left. So a three-step drop ended up becoming a four-step drop. And now yeah. the ball just comes out a tick late, and it's incomplete. Okay, so, you know, I don't think these are huge adjustments. Um, yeah. I just think it's these little things that, that just keep compounding um, that, that make the offense ineffective. Um, to your point on, on defense... I think this defense is right there. This this defense is is really starting to show what it can be capable of. Um man, the offense just has just never gotten to that point to shoot. And and if they can figure out a way to do that during the bye, just just tighten things up a little bit, the points are there to be had. And and we should be in all of the the only game I don't think we can we will be in if we keep playing like we're playing is that Christmas day game against Peter's Packers. Um, but the rest of the games, I think we should have an opportunity to win.
0: Yeah. So, so Peter, what are your thoughts on the, (laughs) the, this, I won't call it easy, but the, the, the simplest way to create another touchdown per game for this Browns team.
2: Well, I, 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 I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier. I don't, and again, you know, Jeff hit the nail on the head with this. With this whole, it's about rhythm. I think on offense, I think you just three three steps and 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 the ball's out of there. Get the ball in the hands of the, the guys that make the plays, the Chubs, the Hunts, and Joku. Um, now I don't know how much Peoples Jones is in is in the game. Um, but his, his ability to stretch the field is probably one of the few abilities that the Browns have got right now to stretch the field. So I, I, would, uh-huh. I would like to see him in the game a lot. And I don't, I, I don't know. You guys will know how much he's, he's, he's in the game, even if it's just to open up some of the more underneath stuff. Um, so, you, you know, if he's running fly patterns, nine routes, you don't need to be throwing all the time. But the threat of him going down the field – and opening the stuff up underneath. Um, the other question is, and it's a little bit, I don't know, not so much out there, but you know, and and again, you guys will know the details of this rather rather than me. Is you know, do they need to start pulling out some trick plays? Because those mm-hmm. trick plays, every team has them, but not many teams use them. Um, but it, but in but in games where you're losing, you know by by six points, by four points, by five points, like you say, finding that extra touchdown, however it comes, um, you know. And, and I know that Jarvis Landry throws the odd ball here and there, but are there other plays, fake punts, whatever it might be? And, and I know to some that will sound like desperation, and it's all about game situations to, to to be to be using those. But at some point, you have to pull them out when they're least expected.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great,
1: great example, Rod. Um, you know, the, the, the trick play uh, where Jarvis um, took the direct snap in the Wildcat and ended up fumbling um, mm-hmm. is a real case in point of, you know, that, that we were in scoring position at that point, and that was a complete drive killer just based on trying to do too much. You know, um, if, if Jarvis can't throw that ball, you know, he, he goes back to scoring the touchdown the week before, right. And, and he thinks, well, I, I, you know, I'll just, I'll tuck the ball and run with it versus just making the smart decision and just throwing that ball away and living to fight another day. Um, and yeah, you know, maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm a Monday morning quarterback about this, but, I think that has a, a, a dampening effect on the whole team when when those kinds of plays don't work versus when they do work. Yeah. So and, that, and that's, the, the, the risk reward is really high, right, Peter? It is. Yeah, and that's
2: yeah, but, yeah. but that but that you brilliantly summed up why it's so important to be able to use them in the right situation when they're least when they least expected. Yeah. Um, you know, at the right time in in, particu- in particular games.
0: Yeah, because when um, I'm trying to think, they uh, the the play that Jarvis scored on was that was that the week before Jeff? Yeah, that Did
1: was the week before.
0: So they they go back to back weeks with, with Jarvis out of the Wildcats. Um right. you know, maybe that's you know, maybe that's all too much. But it worked so well the first time it's like, wow, you know, maybe we should try this at some point and you know, mm. next week. They they only ran it once, obviously didn't go well. Yeah, <laughs> you know. No, to, to like, Peter's
1: earlier point, sometimes you know you're, you're going to make a call and it just doesn't work, and it looks like a dumb call, but that's the reason it looks dumb is because you know it didn't work. Um, and well, yeah, I
3: mean, shouldn't yeah, it shouldn't prevent
1: you from trying those kinds of things from time to time. Yeah. It's just that the reward, yeah. the risk reward of, of you know in a close game of failing on a play like that, um, you know, I think is 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 really really high and you have to question, you know, is it worth it? You know, um, when you're playing a divisional opponent and, and, you know, you're this, there's, there's extra weight on this game um, and you're trying to crawl back in. And, you know, I I don't know that the risk reward is worth it in that kind of situation, you know, against the lions, you know, you're probably going to have some opportunities to come back if it doesn't work, you know, but, but yeah. as it turned out against I, the, the Ravens, we did we did.
2: Yeah, and, and and I think I think that's a great point. You know, I'm a i mean I, I raised it, but you've kind of talked me round. because <laughs> um, I I I think I think it is absolutely about game situations and you're absolutely right. Yeah. It, if that play comes off, that's always a you know a boost to a team, whether that's a half back option pass or whether it's the punter runs for a first down or whatever whatever it might be. But equally, you're absolutely right. Particularly when you're already as good as in scoring position anyway. Um, when those plays don't come off, it is a big downer. So, so, so I agree. The, yeah, it is a huge risk re- reward type of play.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. Were, you know, nobody complained when Jarvis scored the touchdown the week before out of the Wildcat. <laughs> but there were a lot of people right. saying, you know, let's get rid of let's get rid of the stupid trick plays when he fumbled. So right. you know that's just that risk or reward like you guys are saying. So, yep. um, you know, I, I guess, uh, I guess my my next question is, um, what kind of change do you bel- actually believe we'll see in this team with the buy? And, and let's kind of slide into the Ravens game that's coming up next week. Um, you know, we've got a whole week away, so I doubt there's even a line out right now, but it uh, doesn't really matter. But um, th- this game will be in Cleveland. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I mean, the, the Browns played them tough in Baltimore. So do you think that this buy gives the Browns enough chance to, to make some real adjustments to where they come out and play better? You know, are able to maybe hopefully score a few more points. and and possibly pick up a win. Um, How optimistic are you going forward, Jeff?
1: You know, last year after the buy, This Team played really well, I think this organization has the ability to um, function pretty well when things are scripted, uh, evidenced by opening drives in pretty much every game this year. Yeah. Um, it's, it's when we have to start adjusting and, and reacting that, that things kind of go off the rails. So, you know, having that bye week and being able to look at film, um, from last week and really put together a scripted game plan of, you know, what has to change to beat Baltimore, I think really plays in the Browns favor. Um, so, you know, I, I think I feel a lot better about our ability to beat the Ravens, you know, in our stadium after a bye week, um, having that film to look at than I did going into the game last Sunday. And we were in that game the entire game. So, yeah. you know, the, the the margin of victory is really small here. Uh, the margin yeah. of defeat is really small also. Um, so if, if, with all those factors in our favor, I think – I feel pretty good about our chances of being able to right the ship, at least for one week, and and get away.
0: And how do you see this, Peter? With I don't know if this I, I don't know if this has ever happened where a team goes, plays a team, has a buy, and then plays the team again. It just seems so unusual. Um, how much do you think that gives the Browns a, a big advantage in this game, or not?
2: I think having the bye week gives the Browns a big advantage. Mm-hmm. So, so as you said, the Ravens have got a tough game against the Steelers today. I think I think the bye week has come a, a perfect time, you know, for the for the for the Browns. You know, they were kind of going, you know, the last few weeks have been kind of win one, lose one, win one, lose one, yeah. and coming off a coming off a, a tough loss to the to the Ravens, I think that. It's an ideal time to take a break, regroup, and 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 move forward. We've got extra time to prepare for this game, extra time to get you know the guys with niggling injuries—not the big injuries—but the guys with niggling injuries to get that that little bit more able to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's as good a situation as the Browns could have hoped for at this at this stage of the season they played let's face it they played even up with the ravens last week you know going down in the game they probably could have should have would have won mm-hmm. um so i would be relatively confident that the browns have got a good chance of winning this this game
0: and what what do you guys expect out of you know i'm gonna say baker but when i say baker i mean Baker and his the guys he's working with and throwing to. What do you guys expect to out of Baker the remainder of the season? You know, and I'm talking passing numbers and you know how how's the how's the passing game going to look for the rest of the season? Do you, do you expect to see improvement there after the bye week? Jeff.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really expect to see major strides. Um, in the passing game, just because it's been hard to find bright spots in that all year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there have been a few of, a few plays here and there, but for the most part, there just doesn't seem to be that, that go-to play. Um, you know, the, 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 there was a great pass to Jarvis in the Baltimore game. Um, I thought Baker threw the ball extremely well in that pass. Um, but they're just so few and far between that it's, it's hard to get, you know, hard to feel a high level of confidence in our passing game, at least, you know, in the, into that, um, second and third level. Um, so Mm -hmm. I think for, for this offense to function, it has to work sort of like we saw against Denver, um, where Case Keenum was efficient. He was, he was quick, um, you know. Things were precise. There was pace. Um, you know, if, if we could just see that type of offense return again, um, I think it would start to open up our running game, um, which is you know really where we want to be, um, able to to sort of possess the ball and, and win that battle of, of the clock. Um, you know, that, that was probably the most striking thing in that Baltimore game is just just how little we ran the ball, like Peter said earlier, and how tilted that time of possession was. Um, yeah, we, yeah, can't, was. we can't play in games like that. You know, yeah. so from our offense's perspective, you know, I, I, I don't think we're going to see um, a lot of big, long, you know, passing plays. I think what we need to see is much more efficiency in the high percentage stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think the key there is that if there is some improvement that, that some improvement in the passing game whether it's you know it just in the short stuff or whether you know or whether they're able to complete, you know, a long pass here and there, it it could really yeah. benefit this team. You know, this it, we, this team does not need to come out and all of a sudden start throwing for 400 yards a game, you know, to no. to make things better. We um, tend to lose when we do that. It's, it, that's true. That's true because the other team score, ends up scoring 45 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah so, no, um, I, I, go ahead, Peter. No, I, 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 I absolutely agree with it. You know, if, if, if Baker's throwing for 230, 250 yards a game, that would be the expectation of the kind of number that you would hope for, um, providing – you're also running the ball for 130, 140, 150 yards in those in, the, in those games. But, you know, yeah. without laboring a point, but I'm going to labor the point. For, for me, um, <laughs> again, you know, it is those quick rhythm passes because I think so much comes off of those. Um, I think rhythm is, is, is so important. And, and, and I guess the other thing, just as an aside, obviously, the more of those five and seven step drops you have, the more holding calls you're likely to get. The more sacks you like to, to incur, I guess with Jack Conklin yeah. out now as well, you know, quite a slight question there. So, so for me, it's I just think that so much comes off of that off of that quick rhythm, and then and then from there you can start to open up the offense. But but like you, Rod, I don't think I don't think they need to be throwing bombs down the field. Get, get the ball in the hands of Chubb and Hunt, and that will win you most games, I believe, particularly when you've got the defense that you guys have got.
0: Yeah, eliminate the, uh, eliminate at least some of the drops, you know, <laughs> eliminate some of the drops, especially the ones that were going for first downs, and, and uh, you know, some of the, the penalties that, um, you know, that, that just stop drives, things like that, and, you it, all those things could help the offense to just click a little bit more and maybe maybe get going and you know again just trying to add a few points per game you know this offense doesn't need to start scoring you know 30 40 every game although that would be great but you know um if they could put up an extra you know 7 10 points a game i i think uh, i think you're taking your chances with the way the defense is playing one more touchdown yeah. one more yeah one more
2: Just one more touchdown. Absolutely, you know, and it's tough running. You know, those those the last five games are tough games. But if you look at it the other way, they're all teams teams that you other than you know the Packers were in the NFC. But those other teams, they're all teams that you want to take a win away from. Right. So so although they're tough games, you actually, you know, each one of those is is a. Is a huge game for the team that you're playing as well. So to take a win away from the Ravens, to take one away from the Raiders, to take one away from the Steelers, one away from the Bengals is a, is a double whammy. So they're right hmm. in. They're right in this thing. It's in their hands. Hmm. It's um, but that first game, the Ravens game next week, is going to be huge.
0: That it is. So let's get some official score predictions before we before we close shop, guys. So so Jeff. Um, we're not going to worry about the over under or, or any line or anything. Cause it's, I don't know, it's probably not out yet. So anyways, right? <laughs> you know, so, you know, where it would be though.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gonna, it's going to be a, a field goal game and, and it's going to be, you know, a low forties over under, um, yeah. I'm just going to be optimistic this week and say that, you know, we get that extra touchdown and we win 17, 16.
0: Seventeen, sixteen, nice, nice. So, Peter, you said you were pretty confident in the Browns' win. Uh, yeah, what kind of, what kind I, of I, score are you looking for? And
2: I, I'm going for a strange score because I think there's going to be a whole bunch of field goals in in this game. Two okay. great kick, two great kickers, by the way, with the Browns and the Ravens. And I think the Browns are going to win this game, 26-22. 22. You can work out from that. There's a lot of field goals in there.
0: Peter, <laughs> like Peter's uh, going with the with the over, definitely. Jeff probably going with the under. You sure you want All to go 17-16, right. Jeff? That's under.
1: <laughs> well, the, you know, the over's been killing me for weeks.
0: So. It has been. <laughs> me, you know what score I'm taking until I get this right. I'm going to stick with 21-17
1: Browns.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I've gone like four weeks in a row. Same score. That, uh Something like that. Yeah. Something in that area. I just, I think there will be some. I think there will be a little bit more scoring in this game. Um, I think the Browns' offense will will take a little step forward in this, you know. But there again, you know, they may get a touchdown on defense or or special teams or something like that. You know, I'm not necessarily saying the offense puts up 21, but uh, but I, I think there's a little more scoring, uh, probably on both sides. Maybe a few less penalties, and and the teams just have a little bit better drives in this game. Um, but hoping to buy works in the Browns' favor, as Peter suggests, and, and the Browns actually, you know, pick up a nice win here. And people start to get a little more optimistic about the Browns' chances to, to uh, you know, to finish the season strong.
1: So I'm just looking at the long-range weather forecast for next Sunday, Rod. Um, oh, is,
0: is it if, snow and everything?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to have <laughs> – we're gonna have um, a, a, a really wet track because it's gonna rain turn to snow and get cold on Sunday. Um, so let's let's hope that that uh, ball control offense is hitting on all cylinders.
0: Well, I would guess we probably all gave scores that are too high in that case
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, we I might be looking say, at
0: 10 to 9 then. For,
2: <laughs> right. From what you're suge- from what you're suggesting with all the field goals i think there's going to be that snow plow is going to be out on the field before those field goals a lot then
0: uh, yeah we'll see
2: that could happen it, <laughs> it,
0: yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at 10 to 9 or 9 to 6 or something like that if it gets really nasty out <laughs>
1: you know the, the interesting thing about about being in uh the Ravens stadium last week was just looking at how um calm it was inside that stadium even though there was some wind outside uh versus our stadium where the winds just swirl um so you know i'm i'm not so confident in the in the kickers in in those sorts of weather conditions we'll we'll see what happens peter
0: (laughs) i love kickers yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Peter, you have. I don't even. That's a lot of field goals, isn't it? Yeah, let's see. Yeah. It is. That's a lot. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, it's a good game. Hopefully, we see a step forward from the Browns based on the buy and and all that. So, uh, you guys, have any closing words, uh, uh, Peter? Uh, I guess we'll let you go first as the guest. Anything you'd like to say in closing? Oh,
2: I just want firstly to say thank you. Again, Rod, for inviting me on. It's great to talk to you and to and to Jeff. It's been a long been a long time, so I've really enjoyed it. Um, I'm surprised we've gotten this far through the podcast, Rod, without you mentioning the University of Cincinnati.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I was going to mention it, and yeah, and I didn't. But um, yeah, getting into the playoff. Absolutely. You uh, know, it's it's a wonder- a, go ahead. A one,
2: well, it's, a one, it's a wonderful achievement. It really is.
0: It it is. And, you know, it's not just it's not even just for UC guys. It's kind of breaking that that absolutely so-called glass ceiling that that says that that now the committee can actually look at a smaller school and and let them in based. I think this season they really didn't have any choice because UC is the last undefeated school. And there's really, you know, the next most deserving team was Notre Dame, who UC went into Notre Dame and beat, really beat them easily at Notre Dame. So you couldn't put Notre Dame in above UC. And then the next team, I can't remember who it is, had had two losses. But um, they really didn't have any choice. So they're going to say, well, yeah, UC belonged. I mean, we'll put them in there. We'll we'll put them at number four. We'll make them play Alabama, Um, you know. (laughs) We'll hope that they get killed so that we can say that you know teams like this don't belong in it again. Um, but but you know they got they got in and uh, you know that's definitely the way it should be. So so I'm happy that they're in. Don't really care who they're playing and uh, hopefully they hopefully they play you know hopefully they play well against Alabama. That's all i can say. Right. So, um, and Peter, it's always a pleasure having you on. We appreciate you coming on and join joining us. Thank um, you. Thank you, Jeff. Do you have anything in closing?
1: It's great to talk to Peter. Um, I look forward to hopefully we get together before too long again. Uh, maybe start talking about some draft um, and go, Bearcats.
0: Absolutely. And this, uh,
2: and there's some good potential draftees right there at the University of Cincinnati. So, yes, sir.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that might be where we start our draft talk. Yeah. <laughs> this has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.